Hey everyone, it's John Carella, one of the co-creators and executive producer of Dance Moms. And I am super excited. I feel so excited to be doing a podcast about all things dance. We're going to talk about dance and film and TV. We're going to talk about the dance competition world. And we're also going to talk about some LGBTQ issues that intersect with dance. This space is going to be a safe space for myself, for you, for the guest to use our voice. I felt so excited and nervous for this podcast with Jay Jackson, otherwise known as Laganja Estranja. I have been a fan of her iconic lip syncs and remembered watching her pre-drag race at Mickey's out here. And we have a great conversation about, which I've always known, is her background in dance her dance training, her experience in competition as a dancer and as a choreographer. Um, We talk about dance and drag, how it's influenced her, and just the people that have influenced her that are iconic drag queens. Um, We also talk a little bit about just what she's working on right now as a choreographer and all the things that she loves about dance. So get ready for this episode with one of the current Dancing Queen icons, Jay Jackson, Laganja Estranja. Well, I am here. I hope it's okay that I say this because of um, you know who, but with the Dancing Queen, Jay Jackson. (laughs) I hope that it's okay that you say that. Well, you are a Dancing Queen. That's why you're here. Yes, you are definitely absolutely. a dancing queen. Um, thank you so much for doing this. I know your schedule is busy. I know you just got back from tour, correct? Uh, I just got back from choreographing Lady Camden's Christmas spectacular. Oh, look at you. That that yeah. was actually in my questions of what you're working on. So um, how was that? And where was that? Was- I feel that was in another country probably. No, it was actually in San Francisco, where Lady Camden is known for creating her character. And it was a four-night special that we're hoping next year we'll get to travel. It was so much fun. You know, I've worked with a lot of queens over the years, choreographing for them. But let's face it, most queens are what I like to call the pointer sisters. They just kind of stand on points. But Lady Camden is a trained ballerina, and all of her dancers that she brought were also trained ballerinas so it was just such a gift for me and sort of the perfect way to end the year working with talent that could really keep up to what I would normally want to choreograph so it was a lot of fun I actually did a lot of the creative direction and helped with lighting design so uh, I was there really to make sure that the show was the best it could be and it was amazing and I'm just so so grateful that Lady Camden trusted me. That's amazing. I didn't know I because I am a secret viewer of your YouTube vlog. Um, I'm a fan and I noticed her Thank on you. I feel like she's been on the YouTube lately. So that was the first time for me seeing her. And I could tell I think there was a moment she was doing plies in the street in one of your vlogs. And I could sense my dance dad came out and I was like, 
She's trained. Not the dancer. Yeah, yeah. She's amazing. Yeah, those we knees were really turned close. out. Exactly. We got really close last year on Work the World and then this year as well. So it was super fun to sort of switch roles and uh, be more behind the scenes. That's really where I flourish, what I really love, what I went to college for. So being able to to let her be the skinny, you know, queen up on the stage and telling her to do it over and over and harder was so rewarding for me. Well, and that's why I brought you on here because I feel, well, one, I feel as though I know you already. Alyssa would talk about you all the time. And um, I just feel like I know you already. And I would see you perform at Mickey's probably maybe 2010. It was um, before I had been on Drag Race, but after Shangela had been on. So probably like around season three-ish. Okay. Well, so that's, again, I mean, maybe people do know, but you have such a dance background. I mean, competing, training. I can even tell when you talk, you know, you have, um, you know, the terminology you so that's why i wanted to bring you on here because to show that part of you as well and um i feel like it's that part of you and being a dancer someone who dances has influenced your drag and drag in general you know seeing it more um but i i start all these podcasts um i, I start them a little different cuz you know i want since we're showing um, being honest and showing these other parts of us that people haven't seen. There's these four questions that I ask and I'll answer them too, but I'd love if you answered them, answered them. They kind of ground us, you know, that's always good as a, people who dance, we like to feel in our bodies and grounded. So the questions are, how are you feeling? Where do you feel it? If it was a color, what color is it? And what is it saying? And I'm supposed to answer with how I feel in this current moment. Yeah, right now in the moment. <laughs> well, I feel tired today, to be quite okay. honest. Uh, okay. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it in my hips. The oh, color oh. is probably like a burnt orange. And uh, what was the last question? What is it saying? It's saying, go to yoga class, you fat, lazy hoe. <laughs> oh, wow. I don't know about this burnt orange part. That's, that's, that's not very nice. It's, it, it needs a nap. Might yeah, need a well, nap. I was supposed to wake up this morning and, and go to yoga class, but it did not happen. So I think it's my body just, you know, really sending home the message that even though work is done for the year, we got to keep working on our body and staying fit and fab. Do you take yoga a lot? I do. Yeah. I started taking yoga probably about three or four years ago and it just really changed my life. Um, yes, as a dancer, but also as just like a human being with a spirit. I find yoga, mm -hmm. particularly the style that I do, which is hot yoga, the 27 poses to be really a lot more about spirituality and a lot more about pushing through uncomfortable situations. So I really love it because, like I said, not only does it condition my body, but it really helps condition my mind. Is it similar to Bikram? Because you said 27 poses. 
Yes, it is. I just try not to say that name because ever since watching that documentary, I'm like, oh no, his rapport is not so great. It's sort of like Bob Fosse, behavior. one of my choreographers. You know, I love, love, love his work as a person. He was a womanizer and horrible. So I always try to separate the artists from what they create. And I, I cut you off and you said, who was your favorite choreographer? Fosse. Fosse, Fosse, Fosse. I haven't yeah. studied too much on his behavior, but I can only imagine, unfortunately. He was a jerk. Then. He was a jerk, yeah. But he was so talented in what he did as a choreographer and as an artist. So, I mean, it's even like, you know, Michael Jackson. It's like we have these people that when we find out that they weren't necessarily who we thought they were, does that mean we have to hate their art or, you know, can we still appreciate what they were able to give the world? And that's sort of how I try to look at it is, you know, Bob wasn't great, but what he gave the world was so special and so unique. And I'm so grateful for his craft as a choreographer. And it's also just a constant reminder to myself, like, Hey, be talented, but also be a good person. Yeah, no. And, um, we talked to, I had, um, Lennon from dance moms. We had a podcast recently and we talked a lot about that where there's a lot of, you know, systems are changing a lot everywhere. Thank God. Yes. But even in dance, um, it's kind of like the wild, wild west. They didn't say that. She didn't say that, but um, somebody else did. And so with that comes the bad behavior. So how do we, you know there are a lot of talented people who do bad things, but there's That's also right. a lot of talented people who do good things like you. So right. I always say, give them the power now. Right. You know, that's where give them the power. Um, speaking of dance competitions, um, how old were you when you started dancing? Oh my gosh. Uh, I was just like knee high to a pig's eye. I swear to God. I was so young, uh, probably like seven years old. You know, my parents tried me in all the sports and it just wasn't clicking. But there was something about when they got me in my first ballet class, I was in the air condition. I was surrounded by girls looking at myself in a mirror that it just clicked. And I, you know, became professional after at a very young age, you know, I did Barney as a kid, I did my first international tour at 14. So, you know, once I sort of entered the dance studio, there was no looking back, it, it became my home, and it became a place for me to really become myself. I didn't know that you were dancing professionally already. So you did Barney the tour? No, I did Barney the TV show It was actually filmed in Carrollton, Texas, which is where I'm from. And one of the main persons got sick or something and had to leave. So I was the fill-in for a couple of episodes, which was such an amazing experience as a kid. You, you know, grow up loving that show. And even though I think I was probably too old to think it was cool, I thought it was cool. I was so, so stoked. Yeah, no, I know. I wonder if it's like, if, I wonder if Barney's like, you know, a Disney show where there's all these famous, talented people now that were on Barney. You know, now I think so. Yeah, I would think so. You know, great talent. Like, yeah, totally. Like our car, iCarly, or you know how these people come straight from sure. these Disney shows. Um, so did you go right into competing in dance when you were seven? 
So I didn't start competing until a little bit later. I'd probably gotten in my teens. And I'll be honest, competition dance was not for me. It made me very nervous. I'll never forget going to my first Tremaine and my parents had to pull over and I had to like completely throw up. Um, I've just never really been one to want to compete. And again, I kind of saw that on drag race with myself that, you know, when I'm put in these positions where you have to potentially tear others down, it just doesn't work for me. I always come from sort of a hippie artist background where it's all about creating a family. I think musical theater, which is what I eventually fell into and really continued throughout high school, uh, is so special because it really is about creating an ensemble, no matter how big or small your role is. And that's where I feel more comfortable when we're creating together as opposed to against one another. When you did Tremaine, did you, was that it? The last, it, were you like, no more Joe Tremaine, I'm done after throwing up no, in the car? I definitely did a couple competitions with my dance studio that was out in Louisville. Um, but I think overall I decided, you know, it just wasn't for me that I much preferred taking class and doing the studio recitals than it did coming to, you know, getting out in front of an audience and really going for it. So did you, um, did you dance at Alyssa's studio or did you teach at her studio? So I taught at her studio. The funny story about that oh. is, is I was working at her competitor studio for many years and basically she stopped hiring me. And so I called up Alyssa and was like, Hey, look, Mrs. Blank is no longer hiring me anymore. I'm wondering if you would be interested in having me at your studio. So he said, why don't you come in, do an audition class, and we'll see how it goes. So I came in in like a fully sequined vest, looking, you know, a very queer. And I remember her first reaction was like, oh, girl, what is all this? You know, everyone thinks of Alyssa as this over the top fabulous character, which she absolutely is. But I think that that's also something she's grown into over the years. Because when I first met Justin, he kept all of his fabulosity separate from his life at the studio. So I think when he met me, he was a little nervous. But after he saw how great I was working, you know, with his students, uh, and what I could really bring to the table, you know, he hired me on the spot. And I began working for him for almost a decade. Okay. And then you were you did so you didn't compete as a dancer, but you would make up competition dances. Absolutely. It sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. I choreographed so for the studio. Many went on to win first place and take the awards. So it was a, a very special time in my life because again, I wasn't the one competing, but I got to be a part of that family and a part of that creation of art. You know, I still teach and choreograph in that world of dance competitions. And you're right. I mean, it's pretty emotionally, you know, what these kids go through. Um, it doesn't seem as though the stakes aren't that high when you're at the Marriott Burbank. But in the moment, <laughs> in the moment, you know, these are just little like kids. It. Right. it does, especially to them, because they see us adults. Um, very into it and focused on it. And um, now, what what type of style did you choreograph? For what competitions did you do, Jay? Oh, like competition I members. I don't remember the name. Let me guess. I mean, Let me guess. Hold on. I'm gonna guess. Hold on. I want to guess because I feel you said you like ballet. You know your terminology. 
back then there probably wasn't contemporary correct when you were there was oh there was oh, okay so you did contemporary you were a contemporary yep. choreographer that is my main my main love and passion has always been contemporary dance you know i love ballet but ballet for me was more something I did in the studio to practice, to improve my technique over the scale of dance. But choreography was always a little bit more, or sorry, contemporary dance, I was always a little bit more intrigued by because there was more freedom. And I could sort of utilize my musical theater background and utilize my training as a ballet dancer to create sort of this magical, all-encompassing landscape. And what was one of your favorite numbers you choreographed? Oh my gosh, we did so many that were so good. I mean, you know, Justin loves a good theme. So we definitely did Alice in Wonderland and Wizard of Oz. But I think one of the favorite pieces I ever did was just with doors. It was very simple, utilizing doors and coming in and out. I think I was heavily inspired by Mia Michaels piece from So You Think You Can Dance. Um, and yeah, I just loved that piece. I think it was like six girls and maybe three or four doors, but it was just like a really beautiful piece about coming and going. And it was very dramatic. I'm sure it was to a spoken word sort of vibration. Justin always loved those, uh, pieces of music. And so did I. Yeah, I didn't, I've never, I didn't, I actually didn't watch a lot of, so you think you can dance. And that's where, when it first came out, I was teaching at a studio in Anaheim. There's a lot of great dancers that came out of there. Scott Myrick, um, Paula Van Oppen. And those were, they were kids. So I'm watching So You Think You Can Dance and I'm watching Paula dance at 14 and I'm going, she's better than the kids on So You Think You Can Dance. And that's kind of where the idea of Dance Moms came about. Um, but there, you know, I do think and how do you feel? Do you feel that that because you're choreographing now, I know it brought up a lot of great dancers. Do you feel that those times in choreographing for competitions has helped you now choreographing professionally? Oh, absolutely. I believe everything informs the artist that you eventually end up becoming. So I'm so grateful for that decade that I spent at Beyond Belief and for the opportunity that I got to go to those competitions and really see how they work and see what type of, you know, movement really is successful. I think one of the things Alyssa always got on me for was my choreography was very intricate. And I think over the years I learned for competition that clean, distinct lines with distinct level changes are really what sell the best there. And a lot of the work that I, you know, would tend to create is more for the theater more for the art of it all and competition is definitely something you want to be able to be judged clearly and so having movement you know references this is going to make you a more successful team so i learned so much there and i learned so much just about my ability i think to choreograph quickly i always tell people now i can do about an a minute of a song in an hour, but like with Lady Camden, we only had five days to put the whole show together. So I was choreographing sometimes two and three minutes within an hour. And I think that comes from my background and being able to push and get things done in a timely manner so that the children could be able to take that and, you know, rehearse it enough that they would be ready for competition. Yeah. And I bet you some of these dancers in Lady Camden probably competed when they were younger. 
the ones that you just yeah, work with. I, I don't think it was um like competitive dances we're talking about. I think they were all pretty strictly bunheads. So I definitely think it was more ballet competitions, but for sure, there's no doubt they didn't compete. Well, that's fun. Bunheads, they're intense. They really know how to. Them. I love them. <laughs> they take yeah, it so they're, seriously. They... Yeah, they do. They do. And um, we won't go into, I'm having, um, I actually presented Alyssa for Dance Moms in probably like year one or two. but. Um, I can only imagine Alyssa as a dance mom. <laughs> you know, meaning- well, I will say she's she's gotten better over the years. Back in the day, she was absolutely, you know, cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Totally, like, really wanted to win and was all about it. But I think over the years, um, she's lightened up a little bit. It doesn't mean she still doesn't want her team to win. Of course she does. But, you know, she's famous for saying winning isn't everything wanting to is. And I really believe she embodies that now. Now, um, since we talked about it, were did what did you like about Dance Moms? Did you watch Dance Moms? Did you? I feel as though you did. Yes, it was my favorite show for many, many years, and it's still definitely on my top five favorite shows of all time. Uh, I loved the show for so many reasons, mostly because it was absolutely insane. And I really enjoyed that because I came from working with Alyssa, who was crazy. But ultimately, why I really loved the show is I believe that it showed people what all it really took to be a dancer. I love So You Think You Can Dance. It's also been one of my favorite shows. I was so grateful that I got to be on it for two seasons. But I think Dance Moms really had a more in-depth look at the behind the scenes and what it really took to get a piece of art up on the stage. And I loved the peeling back of the curtain and showing, you know, the intensity that dance studios have. I think all of the mothers, you know, they were just they were just so amazing especially in the beginning because they were genuinely themselves. I don't really feel like they were so worried about the TV. I think that sort of progress just like in drag race you know now contestants are so worried about saying something or looking wrong but in the beginning there's that special moment where people are just authentically themselves good bad ugly everything in between and so i just really connected with the show it was an obsession i mean truly i never missed an episode i remember being at point park at a dance camp and you know I forget what nights it came out. I want to say Wednesdays, but every night that it would come out, we would all gather around the TV and watch the show together. And there was a real sense of community that I think dance moms brought to the, to the dance world. And I loved being able to, to be a small part of that. I love that. And you probably had experience. If you, I feel as though you all did showbiz, right? With Alyssa. Wasn't that the competition Absolutely. or prime, prime time or we one did of those? Both, yeah. So you have experience with dance moms for sure. If you're compete, if I you do. were teaching their children, you know, Alyssa was bad cop. I was good cop. So for the most part, I was able to just be friendly and slide underneath the radar. But I definitely have several stories of some crazy moms for sure. Who was? What was one of your favorite moms on Dance Moms? Oh my god, it's too hard to pick. Probably Kelly, <laughs> though. I loved Kelly. Um, they're just all so great for for different reasons, right? Like, yeah, 
but I, if I had to pick, I would say Kelly because like I got a wig when I was first doing drag, looked just like Kelly, and I called it the Kelly. So yeah, like I, I definitely loved her for sure. But I, I loved them all. I loved the way that they, you know, interacted with each other. Dr. Holly, I mean, of course, class act number one, you know, diva without having to be over the top. So I loved that side of her as well. Um, and then, of course, I loved the whole drama with Candy Apples. They were so great. They brought such a flair to the show. And uh, yeah, I, I loved them all. I really did. It, it would be hard to truly pick a favorite. But Kelly came to mind first. So we'll stick with her. Kelly's going to love that. And I feel you identify with Kelly probably because she was a dancer too you know she competed growing up so maybe she had that you know it's always different that's why i think i connect with you is the you know there's like a community when you grew up competing teaching Sorry. in that world so we all kind of and that's another thing is there are a lot of um i know you came from that world is there anybody else from Drag Race that grew up competing? Didn't, I feel like Aquaria did, right? You know, I honestly don't know. I've never, I've never worked with a queen where we've had that discussion. So I would tend to say no. I think maybe the only one that I could think of that sort of would come from a competitive dance background would be um, the ice skater. Why is her name leaving? Denali. I feel like Denali probably did competitive skating. I think Milk did too. But I don't really know of many queens who have, from Drag Race at least, that have a dance competitive background. I'm surprised by that because drag and... Um, I feel as though, you know, I go to dance competitions and there's, you know, definitely... There's an aspect of drag at dance competitions, whether it's the song, whether it's um rupaul you know they're dancing to rupaul there's so many now um i did want to use sasha colby's this year goddess but Never. i i can't use the you know i i even messaged her to make a clean version because i wanted to use it for a 10 year old um but i'm actually surprised by that because i do think the two intersect so much you as know, I the wish they intersected. I wish they intersected more, but I would say, you know, most drag race girls do not have a dance background, so I don't think they intersect quite as much as we would think they would. I think definitely now that newer generations are becoming drag queens, there's definitely a crossover. You know, I used to really be the only like dancing queen in LA that had background dancers that were choreographed. You know, which was so crazy to me. Because now you see that in LA all the time. But I think over the years, drag has become more dance-centric and more focused on the tricks that you can do on stage as opposed to just the look or the lip sync of it all. And who, you know, you got these epic tricks. You know, if you if I choreographed a solo for you in a competition, you would be doing those tricks, that's for sure. But who taught you those tricks? I think it's just something I learned over time because as a dancer, especially a competition dancer, I was not a trickster. I was never a turner. I was never a kicker. I was never, I was the more interpretive dancer. That's why I liked contemporary. But I think once I started developing the character Laganja and really getting into the world, I discovered, you know, especially thanks to Shangela, how to do the dip 
and how to do the jump splits and really started to develop my own sort of trick language as a drag queen. So Shangela taught you some of the tricks. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, for sure. I, I definitely oh. learned how to dip from Shangela. What's the dip? Which one's the dip? Well, most people know it as the death drop, but that's actually the inappropriate term for the move. Uh, I learned this after I got off season six and sort of was confronted by the ballroom community. And so I always really try to make it, you know, as outright and in the front as I can, right? You know, I'm, I didn't know the terminology. I knew that it was called death drop. Um, but ultimately, you know, Shangela didn't come from a voguing or ballroom community either. So I think that's what happens, right? Is it gets passed on and passed on and watered down and watered down. So I really try to respect the ballroom community and always refer to it as a dip so that people can learn that that's actually what it is called. You know what? I learned something and everyone, it's not a death drop. It's a dip. So remember that. That's right. And I love that about you because I reached out to you to teach a voguing class. And you have such respect for dance, even like hearing you talk right now and about communities of dance. And um, you were, you actually kind of said what right now a little bit where, you know, this is not my, I didn't grow up in this community. I can teach this, but I don't feel comfortable teaching voguing. And um, where did you get this? respect for dance is it something you always felt is it something you learned in school yeah i think just respect in general is something that my parents instilled in me at a very young age both my parents were high school counselors for 30 plus years and so they raised me to be very in touch with my emotions and in touch with others emotions and i think you know doing musical theater at seven years old at a professional level, you know, I was hanging out with mostly adults after school. And I sort of really developed this admiration and love for those who came before me and who were passing on their knowledge. And so I think the same thing has just happened throughout my career and and throughout my life, which is, you know, I want to respect those that have helped me become successful. So even though I never really took voguing classes before Drag Race or was in the ballroom community, I wouldn't have had such an outlandish appeal on the TV show if it hadn't been before all those that came before me. That's why when I went back for All Star 6, I wanted to you know, pay ode or paid homage to Tandy Amon Dupree, who was known for flying out from the ceiling into a split. Um, And so again, anytime people bring up that entrance, you know, I always try to say her name because what I truly believe is even though those people may have never placed their hands on me, their art, their lineage, what they left has inspired me to be the artist I am today. So I just think it's really important that we respect each other, especially in dance, because dance to me is the only universal language we have. You know, it doesn't matter where I go around the world when I do a dip people react, people have a response. And that showed me that this language of movement is truly universal. And so I want to respect that. I want to respect where these different languages come from, whether it be ballroom, whether it be, you know, uh, contemporary and, and, and looking at all of our ancestors like Martha Graham and Paul Taylor and all of these things like Horton that I learned in school that I think now are sort of 
being watered down. Like I said, they're not being taught as much and, and being referenced as much. And I think that's an issue because I think if you don't, you know, learn from your past, how can you move forward? So yeah, I just always really try to recognize where something comes from. And even if you're, you know, improving on or changing, recognizing that you wouldn't be able to do that if you didn't have those people who came before you. I love that because a lot of people, as you know, in reality television and in Hollywood, they'll exploit it. They'll use right. it, but they won't. Yeah. They won't. And um, I do. I know the video you're talking about. Um, she's a, a Wonder Woman, correct? Yes. In the, yes. yes. And I don't know who. I mean, I think that's when I fell in love with drag. You know, tell me her name again, who did that amazing drop from the ceiling? Tandy Amon Dupree. So all of you youngins out there. That's right. Google that YouTube it and you your mouth will drop at yes. the boldness and the the commitment and the risk of doing that. Right. What are some other iconic drag queens from back then that were dancing queens? Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, she'll get mad at me for saying this, but Alyssa Edwards, I mean, that's really where I learned a lot about drag and dance. I mean, she was known for bucking the house down. So I feel like so much of my references and language comes from her and the queens that, you know, came before her. Candace Kane is another one of my favorite dancing queens. In fact, She's done original Fosse choreography for her performances. So extremely skilled, extremely talented. Um, but, you know, again, I think I'm always learning and finding more and more references that I didn't even know about, you know, or that I didn't even know inspired where I am today. Because I think a lot, of, a lot of what I've been inspired by is from the ballroom community, for sure. Yeah, I can, I can see that. And I think as far as drag dancing and drag meaning that it's very connected so before doing all this stuff do you feel nervous before you perform before that iconic lip sync physical do you feel nervous before and if you do what do you do to calm yourself down I would say in general, at this point in my career, I don't really get nervous going on stage. I definitely was nervous for my All-Stars redemption. That gave me a lot of PTSD going back in there. But in general, no, I'm not very nervous. Now, if I am doing a dance that is choreographed and I do have backup dancers where we need to be in sync, I will be a little bit more nervous because I want to make sure that I'm going to nail the steps. But overall, um, my job is really fun. Yes, it's a lot of work. And some days it's not very fun. But for the most part, for those five minutes that I'm on stage, you know, I'm having the time of my life. And I'm out there doing what I what I love to do, which is move my body and express myself through through choreography. So I don't I don't really get nervous. I just sink into it and I go have fun. Sink into it. So you've it sounds as though you've grown from that because when you were seven year old Jay going to Tremaine, Terrified, you were nervous. Right? Yeah. No, I've learned now at this point that if you're not nervous, something's wrong. You should always be a little bit nervous because it means that you care and that you want to succeed and do well. But ultimately, you have to have reins on those nerves and, and use them for good and not 
allow them to overcome you and take away your gift. I um, worked with Meryl Streep once. Wow, and it, that's had, incredible. It was, it was, and it, you're going to love the stories talking about nerves. And we were about to do, she had to do an acting scene within the dance scene. So it was a dance scene and she stops and acts. So we were just sitting there, you know, our job's done. And then um, I'm looking at her and it's, they're fixing lights. And I was looking at her, I'm like, oh my God, she's nervous. Where she was saying her lines a lot and she was acting, um, she was saying her lines a lot. And she was asking a grip how to hold a saxophone. Um, And I could visibly see her nervous. And I was surprised because this is probably 20 years ago. I used to think, oh, if you're the, the people that are the best in their art, they never get nervous. So I would feel kind of shame over my nerves. And um, it was, so I always tell the kids that when they feel nervous, that it's even because you care, like you said. Yes. Yeah, even the greats. And if you're not nervous, I mean, these are intense situations getting out there. You doing physical in front of the, who was watching you? Who was, I know obviously RuPaul and Michelle, but who else was there? Yeah, so it was the panel of judges and then the contestants and then, of course, the the crew that was running the show. Um, but what was interesting about that particular moment is I did that jump split from the ceiling about five or six times with no one there, just the crew, because they wanted to make sure that they would have the perfect angle to catch everyone's reactions and also ultimately to film it from different angles so that then they could uh, you know, use that in their edit. So on the sixth or seventh time, that was when they brought in the contestants and brought in RuPaul. And I really did do it live in front of all of them. And then those reactions that you saw on TV, well, I'm not going to say they were real, but they were in the moment and no one knew that I was going to do that. So it was a, a pretty interesting look at how TV works. And of course, over the years, I've learned that there's a lot of TV magic that goes into things. Um, but that was a pretty special moment to see RuPaul's you know, jaw drop. It was amazing. Just so you know, it's one of my Thank you. favorite performances, all of it. Now, did you, Corey, do you, I feel like I might know this answer because you said it earlier, but do you choreograph it before you go out there or are you just in the moment? So I would say for most club appearances, I am improving, but of course for that uh, all-stars entrance i had choreographed the whole thing i actually have a a youtube video that people are interested where they can see sort of the behind the scenes on how the costume was made and how i choreographed everything and and what all exactly went into that five minute moment because it was a a lot of preparation that took uh, to get me there and you weren't you didn't feel nervous I did. I felt nervous for sure. But I think once I did the jump split and I saw their reactions, I knew that I had it in the bag and I knew that no matter who I was going to compete against, I was going to win. And that this was my big, big moment to kind of come back and show the show who I'd become. And so, yeah, no, I, I think I just had fun. I mean, I definitely remember during the performance looking over and seeing Trinity, like really turning it and being like, okay, girl, keep up your energy. But, um, 
I really, I, I just had fun. And I think that's why that performance really radiated and touched so many people's lives is because I genuinely was having fun up there and just being myself, which I feel like on season six, as a 23 year old, I was still discovering. Baby, you were a baby on season yeah, six, 23. Do you, um, does the dancer in you, the trained dancer in you warm up before you go out there and do these lip syncs? Do you do a bar? Do you do some no. Horton? don't warm up and in fact the older i've gotten the more i'm realizing like that's just not possible anymore girl you're not 23 and you cannot just have you know a drink and go out there and split and shablam so now i definitely am starting to warm up more i actually hurt my hip this year in hawaii which was truly like truly traumatizing i've never i've like gotten scrapes and cuts and bruises but like i had to be on crutches for three days i had to go to the hospital it was a whole thing. So ever since then, I must admit now I am definitely warming up and, and listening to my body more. I took a week off, didn't do much. And then I got back up on it. That, yeah. Um, that's the, push through the pain. Yeah. It's changing now though, which is good where dancers aren't going out there as much when they're injured. Younger dancers are learning. No, which is helping them in any aspect. But back when I was competing, it didn't matter if you were scared. It didn't matter if that hip hurt. That's right. You better whack. When I used to work for Marguerite Derricks, it was like, you whack that leg. You better whack it like, and get it up. Um, Because I have a little bit of a hip injury from all the whacking. So yes, Jay, warm up. Warm up. I know. <laughs> you know, we kind of skipped over this, but, you know, we went from you training and doing drag, and it sounds as though um, Alyssa influenced you, inspired you to do drag. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so much what? of, you know, who I am, my character, everything, it comes from her. I mean, she's my drag mother. So, of course, there's a heavy influence on that. But what made you so bold to do it? Drag. Going into drag, especially, this is probably, how old were you when you started drag? I started drag in college in like 2010, 2011. So I was a baby. But still back then it was bold. It, It still is bold. What made you, gave you the courage and so bold to go from, you went to Cal Arts, correct? That's right, yep. So from um, you know, I've just always, I've, yeah, I've just always been a bold individual. I think, you know, growing up in the theater at a young age, being surrounded by adults, I learned early on that, you know, I was mature and that I had this talent and I had this gift. And, you know, my parents, my whole life told me, you're a star, you're a star, you're a star. So I believed them and I still believe them to this day. In fact, they're the ones who are like, okay, maybe it's time to figure something out. And I'm like, no, no. I'm still a star. I've got to make this happen. So um, I think it's just part of who I am and a part of how my parents raised me. And um, I think ultimately, you know, life is short and I, I want to live my life to the fullest. And, you know, even with my transition, I think that was another way for me to really come out and be bold and be present uh, for my community, but more importantly, for myself. I've always dressed eccentrically, as I told you. But I think, you know, I was scared. I was really scared to be myself and to 
to be authentic in who I am outside of drag. And I'm so grateful. The older I get, the less I care about what others, others think. I think as a young child, especially in dance, you know, I always cared what my teachers thought. And I always cared what grades I was getting. And, you know, I still care about achieving things and, and, and doing them well. But now I also have sort of a knowledge that I'm the, I'm the one, I'm the doll, I'm the girl. And I don't have to prove that so much to anyone besides myself. And as long as I'm showing up for myself and proving it to myself, then I'm able to be the best artist I can be. So yeah, I, I think my boldness just comes from the fact that I grew up in Texas and I had no other option but to be bold and, and to be who I, I genuinely am. In the words of Beyonce, you're that girl. That's right. Well, she says, she says I'm that girl, but yeah, yeah. I'm saying you're the girl. Um, I love Beyonce. Um, Me too. <laughs> okay, so, but when there's, a, you said power and boldness. Well, I guess what I would say is I feel even, I don't feel I would do drag as a performer, but if I was around young, Back in the 90s, late 80s, early 90s, if I saw more drag in my life, maybe it would have influenced me. What do you have to say to young boys and girls that are competing right now that want to do drag, that are young and competitive dancers? Well, I say this sort of as a joke, but sort of not like, just quit now while you're ahead. You don't really want to do this. Um, but ultimately, I would say, you know, real job and it's a real profession now. I think back in the day, it was much more of a hobby and something you did for fun. So if it is something that you really want to pursue, you got to take it serious. You know, it's it's expensive. Drag is expensive. And there's a lot that goes into it that people don't see behind the golden screen. And so I always tell people to take it serious, to really think about your character first and foremost, because anyone nowadays can log on to YouTube and learn how to do makeup and hire a designer and look fabulous. But what really makes queens stand apart from one another is their personality and is who they genuinely are to work with backstage. So I always tell people, you know, focus on that first and really focus on who you want your character to be and how is your work ethic going to inform that character. And then you can figure out the glam and the glitz and all that. But you got to know who you are first and foremost. Do you still do your workshops? Your I saw the, um, is it dance and drag workshops? Yeah, it was called the Ganges Dance School. It was incredible. We went around the world. Um, and it was a masterclass, basically. So it was a high heels and confidence masterclass. And sadly, no, I have not brought that back. Although I am constantly always trying to figure out how I can bring that back in my life. It was a little difficult this year since I was on tour with Work the World and, and changing locations every other day. Um, but I'm very hopeful that 2024 is not only going to bring back Laganja's Dance School, but is going to be more focused on me becoming a creative director and choreographer, as opposed to being the person who's up front and center. And what are you, um, you just did Lady Camden. What else have you choreographed yeah. recently? Or are you going to? I did. I did Laguna Blues music video this year called Elle Woods. That was super fun. I also choreographed Trixie and Katya's live show 
um, that went around the world and did extremely well. Um, and my newest project that I'm really passionate about is original musical called Misstep. I am working with Tony-nominated choreographer uh, Connor Gallagher, who did Beetlejuice on Broadway, and he is directing and co-choreographing this musical with me. It's a beautiful, beautiful story about a trans woman who, at the beginning mm. of the musical, discovers that her father, her estranged father, was actually gay and that he was an aerobics champion. So in his honor, she creates a team of misfits who are also in the trans and non-binary world, and they go to compete in the competition that he was not able to complete. And they go to the competition that he was not able to complete as a young adult. So it's a really beautiful story. It's written by two of the most incredible people I've ever met, Kit and Melissa, both who are queer, one of which is trans. It's a very diverse group creating the musical, but it's also a very diverse group on stage. And I think that's what makes me so excited about this project is that what you're seeing on stage is also reflected in the backstage. And I think that's so important, especially as we're moving forward as a community and as a culture to really be hiring the types of people that play those roles. You know, so often we see straight males playing someone queer or playing someone trans and I'm just so excited to be a part of a project where we're giving work to my brothers and my sisters in the gender non-conforming community. And also, it's just a really amazing musical with awesome music. So we go to New York in February to do our very first dance workshop, which I'm really excited about. This year, we did a, a small, what they call beta production in Issaquah at the Village Theater, where we got the musical up on its feet for the very first time with minimal costumes and lighting. But we did do a full-out dance number. We did probably like four or five full-out dance numbers. But this workshop that's coming up in February will really give a chance, you know, will really give Connor and I a chance to figure out our movement vocabulary and figure out what it is we really want the whole show to look like. Obviously, it's dealing with aerobics. So we're doing a lot of Jane Fonda references, but um, trying to also kind of integrate it into the to the now. They definitely whack in aerobics. There's a lot of whacking. Yes, yes. Hurts my hip when I see it, but it's pretty. Is it a true story? <laughs> uh, it's not. It's based on many true elements that have happened in the writer's life, but no, it is a a piece of fiction. We have a friend in common, too. I don't think you knew this. I used to teach her dance when she was 12 years old. Sarah oh. Silken. Oh, my God. I so, love her. Yeah, I, I see that. I feel as though you posted something about her, but I used to teach her um, jazz up in West Hills. Just went and saw her um, original piece that she's working on and workshopping that eventually will be in its full, complete form next year. But yeah, she's an amazing friend and an incredible choreographer and visionary for sure. That's so, I mean, of course, but it's so, again, this world where we all come from this dance the studio. Dance small. It really is. I mean, look at Tate McRae. I mean, oh, she, <laughs> yeah, I know. That's why I brought it up. Incredible dancer. Unbelievable. She used to win everything. And now well, she won. So you think you can dance in Canada? 
But I in Canada, but I mean, even competitions, jump, showbiz, sure. she was, you know, um, usually I, I felt, her. yeah, she could have had an incredible career just as a dance, just dancing alone, um, which makes me sad sometimes because of that, is that does she, I'm sure she does, but so technically talented and I know that she's singing now and that's her passion, but where does the dance come in? You know, that amazing technique. I'd love for her to do a dance movie or something. Well, I think this year we're finally seeing her incorporate more of her background into her singing um, vibrations because, you know, before she was making a lot more like slower music, more beautiful, whereas now she's really trying to go into this pop realm. And I'm so excited for that. I bought my tickets immediately for next year when I saw that she was going to be at the Greek because I know she's going to put on an amazing dance show. And I think it's she's finally at that point in her career where she's realizing she can blend the two together and they don't have to be separate. So I'm excited mm -hmm. for that. We we haven't had a Britney Spears in a long time. And I feel like that's really kind of the era she's evoking in her music and in her choreography. So I'm excited to see where she goes because I think she's about to blow up. No offense to Britney, but I don't think Britney would win. I actually know her teacher in Louisiana. No offense, Britney. You would, I mean, in a dance competition, you probably made top 10. Yeah. But Tate no. McRae got her technique is out of overall. control. Yeah. So, Tate, I want a whack. I want some Alice Cones and, you know, I don't know, maybe a Chene Jete. Yeah. Right? Wouldn't that be Miss, amazing? Lady Camden was gagged when I told her to do the Alice Lacan turn. She was like, are you for real? I was like, yeah, it's the closing of the first act. You gotta do it. You did not. You put Alice Lacan turns yeah. in her show. Absolutely. I, I choreographed a full ballet for her, um, for her show, which was hysterical because as much as I know my terminology, it's been a long time since I've been in the ballet world, so I would teach them and I would incorporate drag queens' names into the thing. So I'd be like, okay, I want you to like see some Faye, Shekule, and just like throw the names in there. It was so funny. It was so fun. I was, well, you know, you were funny. You were very funny and witty. Me, um, my um, nibbling is non binary. And we, for years, have constantly, I'm sure you hear this all the time, we send your memes back and forth. Oh, you know, just, I love that. Okay. Let's see what else. You know, Lennon and I talked about this some um, too. Why do you feel it's important for the transgender community to be in positions of power, heads of dance companies, heads of, you know, Lennon and I talked about how the table isn't enough anymore. Being at the table, being in charge is what needs to be done, in my opinion, these days. You know, um, so why is it important to have the transgender community in these positions of power? And how do we go about in doing that? I mean, even on So You Think You Can Dance. And I could be incorrect. I haven't seen someone who's transgender who is a contestant. I haven't seen, um, you know, even in dance companies, 
if there is, um, I'm sure there is, but how do we, why and how do we go about in doing that for the transgender community? Well, I think the why is simple. No one is going to look after us better than our own kind. So I think that's definitely why we need to be in those positions is because we have a more, I believe, universal look gender and understanding each other's uh, differences. The how is by being insanely talented and being respectful and showing up and doing a good job and being notable. I think um, that's exactly what I am trying to do. I'm trying to represent for the community, but also show that just because I'm trans doesn't make me any different than you or the person next to them. And that we're really all in this together. You know, I always say that gender, much like sexuality, is on a scale. And, you know, trans is following more towards one of the ends of the scales. But that ultimately, it is its own thing. And it is different. And I think that's why we need people who are actually living in those footsteps to really lead us and to help us, you know, guide our whole community when it comes to understanding each other. Um, you know, I definitely think that trans representation has grown over the last couple of years, and I'm extremely grateful for that. And it's also why I was so outspoken when I came out is because I want to be a part of that. I want people to see that there is no one way to be trans and that, you know, we're all beautiful butterflies in our own right. We're all blossoming in different and various ways. And I think, um, it's just important again, that we celebrate these different voices, right? Whether it be, you know, trans, whether it be because of their race or their sexuality or even their religion, you know, I think the more diversified we can have at that table, the more likely we are able to succeed as an entire community. Um, And I agree with you, you know, we really haven't seen that on shows like So You Think You Can Dance, but I will say as someone who competed myself on that show in drag before my transition, I do think I got to sort of show what it could be like to have a genderqueer person on that show. Um, and unfortunately, I felt like because I was in drag, that's why I didn't make it so far on that show. And that's why the following year I went back as myself, which at the time was male presenting. And, you know, I didn't make it as far. And I think that that was really kind of beautiful for me because I realized that in trying to play their game and in trying to be a male and do the male things, that ultimately I wasn't as successful as when I just went in as myself, even though it was under the guise of Laganja. So, you know, I'm sad that that show has a cutoff at 30 because I would still love to go back and audition, especially now that my transition is more complete than it, than it was. Um, but I'm still hopeful that I'll get to choreograph for that show and that I will still be able to, to be that representation that I've so desperately wanted to see my entire life. And I, I agree. I watched and, you know, you should have, in my opinion, you should have gone farther. Um, I know they were dumb. I would have been great TV. <laughs> you are great TV. I think they, I think they saw like, oh, there's no way she's going to be able to do the tour after all this. And it's probably true that that tour that they put those kids on after the show is so rigorous. And they're, you know, jumping on their knees and doing all kinds of crazy stuff night after night. So at the end of the day, you know, my experience on So You Think You Dance was the best TV experience I've ever had. I'm still very close with a lot of those team team members who make that show. 
And, you know, like I said, it was, it was a dream come true to be able to even be on it, to be top 30. It was so special. I'll never bold. forget that. Bold, Jay. Bold. Yeah, it was bold. Super bold. It you was. know, really receive. I know you're so used to it, but I hope that you receive that, you know, you're, you've done a lot of bold things in front of millions of people. Yeah. Um, and I do hope that they, I'm sorry. I said, but it's good to be reminded. So thank you. Yeah. And receive it. Yeah. You know, I do watch your blog. So um, thank you always for being so open and vulnerable on it. You know, it it really, at least for me, and I'm sure you hear it a lot, but um, it, it doesn't go unnoticed, you know, so. Well, thank um, you. I hope that So You Think You Can Dance also too has gay duets. Yes. Men or women, you know, that's something that is has, lately has always been weird to me in general, even in ballet companies or contemporary. It's the LGBTQ community intersects so much with dance right. and to not see our stories of love. Um, a transgender woman's relationship with a man or a woman, you know, to sure. is some, I'm sorry. I said, sure. I agree. Yeah, well, I, I mean, so that's that's the hope, you know, is and even the hope with this is to really talk about those things that um, us that are in the community that dance would like to see. You know, I have a feeling I'm calling it. And if you do, you have to invite me. But okay. if you chore you're going to or if you choreograph for Tate McRae. Trust me, I'm trying. I've been sending messages. I'm trying to make. I'm putting it out there, Tate. I Tate. want to. I know. I know you. I know you used to watch Dance Moms. So Tate, here it is, choreographer Jay Jackson, and then I can go and do a Chanel Jeté. Um. <laughs> so I, I like to end the. It's just a little bit of a rapid fire, and I think you might have given these answers again, but um. Feel free to re-say them and go off of your instincts in the moment. I know you're trained so well at media. I can tell, Jay. <laughs> I can totally tell. Um, favorite dancer? Ginger Rogers. Favorite dance movie? Mm. Center stage. That's a common one, believe it or not, in this podcast. It's a great um, one. It was when I was growing up. I loved it. Favorite style of dance? Contemporary. If you could do a solo, what would it be to? Song-wise. Oh, gosh. Something unique, something weird. I who am I into right now that I would love to do a solo to? Tate McRae. Ten Hat Trio. Yeah, but that's not my go-to. Like, I, I want something that's more abstract. So Ten Hat Trio is a group that I love. Um, the Rachels is a group that I love. Um, yeah, something without, like, not pop. It would be more contemporary. Okay. Um, what's the boldest thing you've done? 
I think coming out as trans, yeah, I think that was pretty bold. That is bold. Good job. Thanks. And, um, well, thank you, Jay. Thank you for being bold and coming on here. Absolutely. It was my bold. honor. I'm so glad we got to chat. And as someone who, like I said, grew up watching Dance Moms, I, I just would have never thought that this moment would have happened in my life. And it's just a, a sign from the universe to me that I'm supposed to keep going and that I'm I'm in the right right place. So thank you for having me. And thank you for allowing me to share my story with, with your folks. I really appreciate that. I, I appreciate it too. And you're welcome. Um, and everyone you can follow on all, what's all your socials and more importantly, your YouTube channel. Cause I've watched that show so much. Yeah, definitely check out my YouTube channel. I drop new episodes every Thursday at 420. Um, you can find that at Laganja Estranja. I'm also Laganja Estranja on every platform except for TikTok, where I was too old and missed my original name. So I'm the only Laganja Estranja on TikTok, but that's L-A-G-A-N-J-A-E-S-T-R-A-N-J-A. All right, Jay. Well, um, thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you. And stay sickening. Oh, Thank you so much for listening to Dance Dad with John Carella. Thank you to everyone at Hivecast for all that you do. And if this episode meant something to you, please share it and subscribe. Also, you can follow Dance Dad with John Carella on all platforms. But most importantly, remember to be bold and be fierce.